turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Samuel chapter 24 this morning, and uh, I want to continue a thought from Wednesday night and conclude a thought, Lord willing, from Wednesday night that was started, if you were here, if not, uh, it won't make any difference in your grasping this thought this morning, there are two separate thoughts within the same thought, I guess. Um, and uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24, uh, I want to uh, give you three uh, truths this morning, one from each chapter, chapter 24, chapter 25, and chapter 26, so we'll read uh, a little bit throughout the message this morning, and, uh, but I want us to start in 1 Samuel chapter number 24. And uh, let's stand, if you will, with me all over the building, 1 Samuel chapter number 24 this morning. And we'll read, uh, we'll read about uh, eight verses to begin with, and uh, then we'll pray and you can be seated. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse number 1, And it came to pass, when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Uh, just for a little context, uh, David uh, has been chosen by God to be Saul's successor of the kingdom and God is removing Saul. Saul has chosen uh, sin, Saul has chosen disobedience. God is removing him uh, as king and putting David in his place. Because of that, David is envious, or Saul rather, is envious, is jealous, he is angry, uh, and he is uh, set on killing David. By this time, Saul uh, is a madman. Uh, literally, you can read the word of God, you can find out he's a madman. He is happy one moment and angry the next moment. Uh, and he is to the point of, uh, of, of irate, insane behavior. I want to tell you something. A lot of what we see in ourselves and in others of irate, insanity uh, is a result of sin. I'll run that by you again. It is a result many times and oftentimes. Sin will make you a madman. It will, especially when you have known the goodness of God. You have known the presence of God. And you've walked away from that. Uh, it'll leave you uh, angry. It'll leave you suicidal. Uh, Judas Iscariot, after betraying Christ, was suicidal. Lots of people. Uh, uh, Pilate became suicidal. Uh, after having uh, sold out Christ and rejected Christ. Uh, Saul became suicidal and Saul became a madman. Sin will make you a madman. Saul becomes a murderer. He kills 85 priests at Nob and their wives and their children and all that they have. Uh, sin made Saul a murderer. It made him a madman. It made him a militant man. He's got him an army and he's coming for David. Now let's read on. Uh, verse 2, And Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way. And let me say this, not everyone 
that has insanity issues or, or issues of life, it is because of a particular sin in their life. Not everyone who deals with uh, certain issues, maybe even suicide, I want to clarify that this morning. People have issues that they deal with, but I will tell you this much. If you think you can play with sin and it won't affect you, you're wrong. Uh, sin will drive you to those things, and uh, they certainly will. And he came to the sheep coast, by the way, there where it was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Saul comes in through the cave that David is in and does not realize what protection God has put on David. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I would deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. We'll stop reading there. We'll make comments some more on down. Then we'll look in chapter 25 and chapter 26. And if you'll give me a little bit more monitor up here, I appreciate it. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd give us zeal. I pray, God, you'd give us fervor. I pray, God, you'd give us wisdom to preach it. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, have your hand upon all that's said and done in this part of the service. Lord, we thank you for the singing. We thank you for the choir. Thank you for the special music and song. But God, now we've come to this part of the service, the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, you've chosen the foolishness of preaching. And God, you called it that. And to this world, it is foolishness. Lord, you've chosen the foolishness of preaching. And uh, God, thank you, Lord, to confound the wise and to save them that are lost. Thank you, God. And I pray, God, you'd touch it for a little while this morning. Touch me. And the Lord, may the word of God, that everlasting word of God, breathe life into our hearts this morning. God, help us in Christ's name, and we'll thank you. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I, I started Wednesday night preaching uh, a thought out of the life of David, several lessons that David is learning in his life, especially at this time, as God is preparing David to be king. God is preparing David for the next steps and stages in his life. Uh, and I want you to know this morning that God is making you into something. If you're saved this morning, God is making you into something. You say, what is that? That is, he is conforming you into the image of himself, of his son. And uh, thank God, uh, he is making us to become like Christ. Not only did he save us and give us the nature of Christ, but he is uh, convicting us and he is changing us and he is working in us that he might make us into the image of himself and his son, that one day he might present his church a glorious body. He might present us 
to the Lord. And uh, I'm grateful for that this morning. I didn't deserve to get in his family. I don't deserve any of his goodness. But isn't it good to be on the inside this morning? And uh, God is working and he is maturing David. He is preparing David. And I want to tell you something this morning. If God has saved you, he did not save you to leave you like you are. He did not save you to leave you in your sin. He did not save you to leave you in your wrong. But he is going to lead you and he is going to guide you. And if you listen to him, he will make you and change you and do in your life uh, what never could be done without him. And it's more than him wanting to change your outside. Though oftentimes it does uh, reflect a change uh, and we see that on the outside, but God is interested way more than your outside. God is interested in your inside. That which man cannot see, God is wanting to work, and he's wanting to change. And is anybody glad for the day that the Lord changed your heart when he saved you? And is anybody glad for the days that God has softened your heart, and he has matured your heart, and he has caused your heart to lean on him more and more? It's where God is bringing David. He's got a lot of lessons to learn. One of those lessons, and we preached it in part last week, is that David is learning to lean. God is going to teach David throughout his life to lean on the Lord. God is going to teach David throughout his life to lean on the truth of his word, to lean on him when all else fails. And we've seen that Wednesday night in those areas of life in that which he could not do anything. When David could not fight the battles on his own, in those areas where he could not, God was teaching David to lean. There was the lion and the bear. David could not kill that lion and bear on his own, but God intervened. Uh, there was Goliath, and God, or David, could not kill Goliath on his own with his own power. And yet God intervened, and he was teaching David, there's some things, David, that you can't handle, and you're not equipped to handle, and you're not able to handle, but with God, all things are possible. And with God, nothing can be impossible. And uh, by yourself, that lion and that bear is too great of a battle for you and for me and for David. And uh, there's things that are giants that you'll never be over, able to overcome. And I, I just want to say a word of encouragement to you this morning. You may be looking at the same giant that you've looked at for the last 20 years. And you have made your mind up that there is no way in this world uh, that I'll ever be able to rid myself of that giant. It has controlled my life. It has plagued my life. It has embittered and embattled my life as long as I can remember. I want to tell you, uh, you're in a good place uh, and you're following the right one uh, and he uh, can deliver you uh, from the hand of Goliath. You'll have to lean on him. Oh, y'all can talk back to me this morning. You'll have to lean on him in the areas of that which you cannot do. I cannot save myself, but I'm glad he did. I cannot fight all my battles, but I'm glad he can. I cannot win all my wars, but I'm glad that he can and he is and he does. 
But it is not just the areas of life where we cannot that you and I need to lean on the Lord. I tell you, one of the greatest areas of life, and there's really only two, it's either that that I cannot do or it is that that I can do. Lots of things in my life are chalked up as I can't do that. Lots of things in my life uh, are the only response is, is that's not within my wheelhouse. That's not within my knowledge. That's not, that's not within my power. That's not within my ability. I, I can't do that if I tried. I don't know how. And thank God that I have, I have one. I have the Lord. I have truth. I have the Word of God. That in those areas I can lean on. But I'll tell you something else. There's a lot of things in my life I have found out that I can do. A lot of things I can do. Uh, there are a lot of things in my life that I can put my hand to. There are problems that I face that I can fix. There are people that I can straighten out. There are issues that I can uh, put my hand to and seemingly dissolve those issues in my life. Uh, we just read about one of those areas in David's life. David could not kill a lion and a bear in his own power, but he wasn't operating in his own power. David could not kill Goliath in his own power, but he was not operating in his own power. And yet I find in chapter 24 that we find that David uh, is somehow, and I believe the hand of the Lord involved in all of this, David is in a cave uh, hiding from Saul, and somehow Saul comes into this cave uh, uh, by himself with just a handful of individuals and he comes into this cave and in, in, in all reality he has and he don't know that David is there he has run into the one place that he don't want to be and that is the place that David is uh, and, and he lays down and he goes to sleep and David has within his power the ability to slay his enemy do you see that? Uh, lots of things that you can't do and you need the Lord's help. But what about those things in life where you can? What about those areas of life where you can do something about it? Whether it was the hand of the Lord that put Saul there, and I believe it was, or whether it was happenstance or whether it was the right place at the right time, here David is with his sword. Here David is with his men in this cave and here comes Saul and now uh, David has the ability to do something about this man who has literally rained down, uh, I mean, hell on earth for David for the last several days and months. David has done nothing against Saul. He's run from Saul. He's hidden in caves. He's lived like a vagabond. He's left father and mother. He's left his homeland. He's left all that he knows. And the only reason is, is because, because God said, David, you're going to be king. And Saul is jealous. And Saul has sought to kill him on many occasions. I, I think about uh, the time in the Word of God where the Bible said, and I think it was chapter 20, chapter 21, 22, that David is in the king's palace. He's playing his harp. And Saul gets an irate, angry spirit that comes over him and he takes that javelin in his hand and he throws it at the wall where David is and David barely misses out and escapes for his life in that moment. And, and all of these thoughts are in his mind as he literally looks there that day in that cave and he sees his enemy Saul laying there and he knows he's asleep, I've got a sword and I can kill him. Bible said that he goes over to Saul and he cuts 
part of his garment. And he takes that part of his garment. And here's what the word of God says. The Bible says it smote David in his heart. It said something happened in David's heart. And he said, I can't do this. I, I, I know I can. It's within my ability. I, I, I've got the ability to do something about this right now. But he was smote. He was smitten in his heart. And he said, I cannot do this. This is the Lord's anointing. The Lord forbid me to touch Saul, my adversary, my enemy. Saul got up and walked out, and David walked out, and, 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 and David, uh, let, he yelled and let Saul know, look what I've got, I could have killed you, but I did not kill you, though I could have. And what I come to tell you this morning is that in those areas that you cannot do anything about it, you need to learn to lean on God for big things. But in those areas where you can, you better learn to lean on God, or you'll get yourself in trouble that you can't get yourself out of. I thought about what all the consequences would have come for that. You know, people love a victim. Isn't that right? Uh, here's a little word of wisdom for you. Uh, there will be people in your life that you could conquer. <laughs> you could slaughter with your words, so to speak. There'll be people you'll work with. There'll be people you'll deal with. There'll be people you'll go to church with. And I mean, you could just absolutely, they come against you and you could just absolutely let them have it. And uh, But here's what you're going to do. You're going to create enemies out of other people who were not your enemy before because people by nature love a victim. And had David slew Saul, David would have never been the king God intended him to be. God would have never allowed David to ascend to the place because that wasn't God's business, or that wasn't David's business to handle. That was God's business to handle. And what I want you to know is that David is learning what he's learning to lean on. He is learning to lean on conviction. So the Bible says it smote him in his heart. Now there's not a a verse in David's Bible that says, David, don't kill Saul. The Bible's still being written. There's not a, there's not a verse in David's uh, Psalms that he's compiling that says, Thou shalt not kill Saul, thine enemy. But I tell you what there is. There's a word in David's heart that says, David, uh, though you can. David, uh, though it's within your ability. David, though it's within your power. You better listen to that beating heart in your chest. You better listen to the voice of God that is convicting you of what you're about to do. And if you're saved this morning, you know what that voice is like. You know what conviction is like. If you're lost this morning, you do too. It's what you're going through sitting in church without the Savior of the church. I got a feeling if I know the Holy Ghost of God, you'll go home and, and you'll try to leave this, but it won't leave you. And you'll try to get over this, but it won't get over you. Aren't you glad for the day or the days that you went home miserable, under conviction, and needed some relief and found that relief in the Lord Jesus Christ? He's interested in convicting you. I've talked to some saved folks this morning. David would have ruined it before it ever got started had he not learned to lean on conviction. Are y'all hearing me at all? That that you know, well, I don't have a verse for it, 
Well, I don't have a, I, I, I don't know. I need to, but that, that as you go to operate, that as you go to do those things that you have made your mind up to do and really may even be in the right in doing, and yet the, the, the beating heart in your chest, the, the voice of God in your ear that says, don't do what you're about to do. How many marriages would still be intact if one or both or the other would have listened to a little conviction? How many young people would still be alive when they got in the car that day they heard that voice that said, this ain't going to go well. Don't get in that car. Y'all help me right there. How, how many folks uh, would uh, still uh, be in here this morning uh, had it been that, that when they heard uh, that voice of conviction, uh, that they would have heeded that voice of conviction when God tells you a warning, when God tells you to do or not to do something, even if it's within your ability, even if you've justified it in your mind, you better learn to listen and lean on the conviction in your life. It is put there to save David. Now I'll tell you something interesting, and I believe that God delivered Saul into that cave. And David and all of his men are lined up somewhere in the back of that cave, and they hear Saul's armies coming, and, and the Bible says Saul comes into that cave. His armies on the outside, David and his men, Saul comes into that cave and lays down. God did that. Sometimes God will allow things in your life to find out what you're made of. David is a man after God's own heart, the Word of God said, and it's going to be proved on this day. Because in David's mind, this is my enemy. In David's mind, I am going to kill him. In David's mind, he takes his sword. And he approaches Saul as he lays there and he thinks, this could all be over today. <laughs> you ever been so close to victory that you could taste it? You knew this could all be over now. Yet God made you put that sword back in the sheath. God made you go back in that cave and lean back up against that wall. Though it seemed as if God had delivered that. Am I talking to anybody into your hand? What's God doing? He is teaching David to learn to lean on his conviction. I'm not talking this morning about, and I'm, I'm all for convictions and standards, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when God the Holy Ghost breathes a word into your heart that says, don't do that. Better learn to lean on it. When 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 you've been saved a little while and and uh, you don't know maybe much about the Bible, don't know maybe much about church, and most of us don't know a whole lot. Even if we've been saved a while, I'm still learning. How about you? Uh, but you you're just all new to this. Can I tell you? You say, preacher, I want to live for God. I want to serve God. What can what kind of advice can you give me? I'll give you some real good advice. If the Spirit of God's living in you, and He is, if He saved you, if the Spirit of God's living in you, He'll talk to you about things you need talked about. And when He does, listen 
according to what he says and do it or don't do it depending on what it is he says. He'll save your life. David is learning to lean into matters that he speaks. If you've ever, uh, if you have ever uh, heard God's warning, I'm thinking this morning about times in my life where, where uh, I was uh, set on doing something. Had my mind made up, this is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm going to do it, and this is how I'm going to do it. And as that approached, and as that came about in my life, the voice of the Lord says, Or, <laughs> you could not do that. And I'd wrestle with the Lord, but Lord, it's within my ability. I can do this. God has so much that I can't do, but you've made it possible. I can do this. But just because you can don't mean you ought to. Am I talking to anybody in church? How many people are in Burke County Jail this morning? How many people are in prison this morning because they did that that they could, but they knew better than doing it before they did? And if you'd corner them up, they'd say, well, I knew I shouldn't. But that voice of reason, that voice of warning, that voice of, of God that said, don't do that. I didn't listen to that. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to make it anywhere in life, you better learn to lean on the conviction that God puts in your life. Let me give you the second one this morning. Look in chapter 25. There's another issue, it's a different enemy, it's not Saul, but he is encountered, this second enemy is encountered while David is running from Saul. In chapter number 25, uh, David is in an area called Carmel, uh, and uh, he is uh, introduced to some shepherds that belong to a man uh, by the name of Nabal. Uh, Nabal has some sheep, Nabal has some shepherds, uh, and Nabal has... Uh, wealth and riches and David uh, doesn't know all of this to begin with but David comes in contact with all these individuals uh, and uh, the Bible tells us in chapter 25 that David's men helped these shepherds they made a wall around them and they defended them and they helped them uh, and so David's men are in need and they say to uh, says to 10 of his men he said I want you to go to the owner of all these sheep, I want you to go to Nabal and I want you to talk to him and I want you to tell him what we've done for him. I want you to tell him how good we've been. I want you to tell him how kind we've been, how gracious we've been to his men. And uh, maybe in return, he'll give us some food or he'll give us something. He'll help us out because David and his 600 men were uh, uh, in, in mighty dire straits at this time. They needed some assistance and uh, maybe we can get that from Nabal. But here's what the Bible describes about Nabal. The Bible says that Nabal was a churlish man. Nabal was a rude man. He was an arrogant man. And uh, he was a proud man. He was an angry man. And he was a foolish man. And David sent his men. His men come to Nabal and he said, We're here on behalf of our Lord David. We're here on behalf of David. David has sent us here. And we want to ask you, we've done this for your men. You can ask them if it's so and uh, if, if you're willing, would you do something to help us out? And here's what Nabal said. Nabal says, who is David? Many people, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can go home and read it. Many people uh, leave their masters now just like David left Saul. 
He knew who David was. And he liked David. And he said, I'm not helping David. I'm not helping David's men. I don't care how kind you've been to my men. I'm not helping your men. I don't care how good you've been to me. I'm not helping you. Word comes back to David. They said, David, we're just going to tell you, this man's an idiot. And he is. And, he, and, and his own family knew it. His wife knew it. His wife comes to David and says, hey, he's a moron. He's an idiot. He don't have good sense. And he really needs to die. That's what she said. Paraphrasing, you go read it. He's not worth your time. His servant says that about him. This man's a fool. I'm going to tell you something. If you're a fool, people know it. You can't hide it. Word comes back to David, this man's an idiot. This man's a fool. This man is rude. This man is arrogant. And David said, well, I'll tell you what. I have put up with this business from Saul. And, and you know he's a little hot-tempered now because living life like he's been living, it will put you on the edge. Anybody ever snapped at people that you really love and you didn't mean to even snap at them? You was just living so close on the edge with all the problems going on that you were taking it out on people that you really thought a lot of. That's where David is. Except he don't think a lot of Nabal. And I can't touch God's anointing. I can hear David say, I can't kill, I can't kill Saul, though I would like to, but God won't let me. The voice of God is talking to me. But who in the world does Nabal think he is? I'm about to knock him off his high horse and send him back to where he come from, is what David's deciding. And I'll be honest with you, he's got the ability to do it. He's got more men than Nabal's got. He's got more guts than Nabal's got. And he's got more military power than Nabal's got. And he can do it. And he sets out to do it. He gets his men together and they load up on their, uh, uh, on their, uh, their, their military equipment and they start, headed, start heading for Nabal. And they come to Nabal, uh, where Nabal lives there in Carmel and one of Nabal's servants goes back to Nabal's wife, Abigail, who was a beautiful woman. She was a godly woman. She was a pleasant woman. And they said, Abigail, look, I'm not here because I like Nabal. Honest with you, I don't care what happens to him, but I do think a lot of you, and I want you to know that David is coming to kill your husband. And he's got a right to do it. Because your husband's an idiot. And she said, well, he is an idiot. I know. I married him. I don't know why. He's an idiot. But I tell you what. I think so much of David. I don't want David to get tangled up with an idiot and it cost him. Here's what. I want you to look with me. Chapter 25. I want you to notice what happens. I'm trying to hurry. I'm, I'm getting close to being done. Look, look, look with me in, uh, in verse number uh, 23 of chapter 25 and when Abigail saw David she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said upon me my Lord upon me let this iniquity be and let thine handmaid I pray thee speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid let not my Lord I pray thee regard this man of Belial 
even Naboth, for as his name is, so is he. His name meant foolish, and she said he's a fool. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of the Lord whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought upon my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Look, look, look down, verse number 31. That this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. Now verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice. Blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood. She catches David on his way to kill Nabal. She said, if you'd permit me to talk to you, sir, I've got something to say. She said, my husband's a fool, just as his name tells he is. And I know you've got reason to kill him. I wouldn't blame you. But when you do, you're going to mar your name. You're going to hurt your testimony. And everybody's going to say that you've, you've shed blood without a cause. And I'm asking you if you'd not do that for your own name's sake. You can go read it out. And here's what David says to Abigail. Thank you for your advice. He says to this woman who he don't know, who is a stranger, who is the wife of a man that he's come to kill, he says to her, I'm glad God sent you here. I'm glad God put you in my life. I'm glad God sent you here on this day. Had you have came tomorrow, it would be too late. Had you come yesterday, it'd be too early. But you came right on time with a word from God that caused me to stop in my steps and not do that which I'd committed my heart to do. You know what God is teaching David? It is not only to learn to lean on conviction, but he's teaching David to learn to lean on counsel. God will put people in your life that will say what you need to hear. And it may be someone you know, or it may be someone you've just met. But if it's the voice of God, learn to recognize the voice of God when he speaks. There's been times in my life, I can think back to my youth, I was doing what I wanted to do and God allowed a perfect stranger to say something to me that put me under conviction and they never knew it. They didn't even know I was a Christian, but what they said put me under conviction. You better learn to listen to the voice of the Lord I'll never forget the story and I, I know they probably don't enjoy me bringing it up but Seth tells about the time that they were in Florida and they were looking to get into some trouble and they were saved and they went to a gas station looking for some trouble and uh, asked the man if they'd help them out and the man said no I'm a Christian and started preaching to them 
was long before God took a hold of their life. I understand, but if I could think of my own story this morning, I would. I know I got many of them. I just couldn't remember them, but his was memorable. You go home. Learn to lean on counsel. God's trying to warn David. God's trying to, does that make sense? God's trying to help David. God, and, and, and boy, we're so arrogant. We say, well, why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> you might be like Nabal. You might not be David or Abigail at all. You might be more like Nabal. Why don't you stick your nose in your own business and get it out of my business? So I'm going to tell you something. It may be that God put them down there to put their nose in your business to keep you from ruining your life and from messing up what God was trying to do. And when you're learning to lean in the areas of that that you can do, you can do something about it. You better learn to listen and lean on God's counsel he puts people in your life that says something to you don't you shrug that off don't you brush that aside it may be that God sent Abigail to save David's life save his ministry learning to lean on conviction learning to lean on counsel Here's the last time, we won't read it all, but chapter 26. The last thing that I'm going to show you in grace. Once again, David is before Saul, and Saul has come to where David is in the wilderness, I believe, of Ziph. Chapter number 26, Saul is, uh, Saul is uh, in a deep sleep. David recognizes this, and the Lord lets David come into where Saul is in this deep sleep. He takes his cruise of water, carries it out with him. And, and here's what the Bible said, um, verse, let's, let's just read a little bit of it. And uh, Verse number 5, verse 4, David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was coming very deed. David, verse 5, David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of his host. And Saul lay in the trench, and his people pitched round about him. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Jeriah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. And so David and Abishai came to the people by night. Behold, Saul lay sleeping with the trench. And his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster, but Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, here's counsel from one of David's men. He said, God hath done this. God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. Sound like a pretty good plan. Verse 9, and David said to Abishai, destroy him not. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. God will take care of him. Or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. Watch verse 11. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. 
I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and he got them away and no man saw it or knew it, neither awaked. They were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Notice how deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. One more time, God brought about the same circumstance to test David. First time, David is leaning on conviction. Heard the voice of the Lord. The second time, he's leaning on counsel. He's heard the voice of the Lord through a stranger. This time, he says to Abishai, the Lord forbid it. What had been conviction has now become commandment. He's heard the voice of the Lord. He said, though he did not have it on paper, and we do. He said, I've got commandment. I can't do this. I've got a commandment that tells me, thou shalt not do this. Though I can, I can't. I'm going to tell you something this morning. If you're going to live for God, you better learn to lean on conviction. You better learn to lean on counsel. You better learn to lean on the commandments of the Word of God. You know what God has told you. You better quit doing it. You know what God has told you. You better start doing it. You know when God speaks to you and He reminds you of a verse. That's why I love our Christian school because every morning we quote Bible verses and we give them those Bible verses to memorize because we know that one of these days they're going to be in the back seat of a car with somebody they ought not be or possibly have the ability to do that. One of these days they're going to be out somewhere at a job or at school or something's going to be going on and mom and daddy's not going to be there and the preacher's not going to be there and the teachers are not going to be there but here's what we have confidence in. The Word of God will be there and the Word of God will preach to them and thank God if the Word of God is preaching to you you better listen to what God says through His Word. Come on, repent. In the areas when you can, well, I can do that. Because you can, don't mean you should. I tell you what, I can go get drunk today. Well, I could. I can do it and still go to heaven. But I'm saved. Just because I can don't mean I should. I got a feeling if I know me, that one event, number one, God would make sure somebody saw me. It didn't ruin my testimony. Number two, that one event, if I know me, would cause me to get hooked on something that I couldn't get unhooked from and I'd spiral out of control just because you can don't mean you should well I'm saved I, but God put some conviction in your heart you better listen God's put some counsel in your life and, and some of them you know but what about them ones you don't know and they say something and, and you go home thinking you better listen I'll tell you a story about me 
and be done. God called me to preach. I was 16. I was excited. I was, uh, the Lord put his hand on me. I started preaching and I was enjoying it. I never had learned much about Christian character and come to find out that uh, you don't get that when you get saved. You have no character before you get saved. Guess what? After you get saved, you're not going to have no character until you learn and you let God build character. And uh, it's easy to tell people about the Lord at church. <laughs> ain't that right? Preachers, ain't it easy to preach to people at church? Oh, yeah. It's easy. It's easy to tell, tell a church crowd what they need to do. But I got me a job at UPS, and I was a boy, and they were men. And it's hard for a boy to go into a place where there's a bunch of men who are rough and tough and cussing, and, and they don't talk like the deacon at the church did, at least what deacons I knew. So I didn't tell nobody I was preaching. I was told. I kind of kept that business quiet and uh, for a long time. And uh, I had uh, a lady, she took a liking to me. She worked in the office, not in a wrong kind of way. She was a grandmotherly age to me, and she, I was a boy. And she was reading the newspaper one day. And I graduated high school from Crossroads, I mean from Dogwood Christian Chapel. And uh, I was in the office picking up my check, and she said, I seen that you graduated from Dogwood Christian Chapel. I said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, I didn't know you was a Christian. I said, Yes, ma'am, I am. Yes, ma'am. She said, Well, I'm so glad. I am too. I did not know you was a Christian. I walked out of there, and for days, that ate me alive, that one statement, I didn't know you was a Christian. I didn't know you was a Christian. I didn't know you was a Christian. I got an opportunity to preach at a, at a church. Preached at the, at the church, it was a youth meeting. And I looked out there in the crowd, and boy, I mean, I preached, and it was a humdinger, buddy. I mean, God touched me, I preached, and, and I felt like a preacher. I got done preaching, here comes an old boy, and he walks up to me, and he worked with me. And uh, they called him Cowboy, Cowboy. And he said, boy, that was a mighty good preaching. You know, I didn't even know you was a preacher. Same place, working at one person. I didn't know you was a Christian. A couple weeks later, I didn't know you was a preacher. Them two people's words stuck in my crawl until God got a hold of me. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Till I'm talking about Abigail. I'm talking about advice. I'm talking about counsel. I'm, I'm talking about God sending somebody your way that'll say something to you, and you better listen to what they say. Lord. We love you this morning. We thank you. I trust, Lord, you'll take the word of God 
help us to learn to lean on that that you say through counsel, through conviction, through the word of God, I pray. Lord, as we stand all over the building, touch this invitation, make it what you'd have it to be. I pray something was said today. I pray something.